0: chapter 10 echoes of war fleur de lacour was bored with men she stood before one now in the paris conference room of charismatic spellcraft international bored out of her mind she rested one hand on her hip and gazed disinterestedly out the window as mr craftsworthy the staffing specialist from the london office spoke to her about employment opportunities there are more assignments than we can possibly handle he was saying too many places where the protection enchantments have been destroyed by death eaters whole staff is busy supply and demand you know camille Gillot has given us your name and i do hope you'll consider the man trailed off and looked at fleur he had to be sixty at least and the ardent way in which he stared at her would have made most young women uncomfortable it bored fleur just tell me what it is that you want me to do i want to leave here she snapped and although many superior business partners would have fired her on the spot for her cheek, the man at the table continued to gaze at her worshipfully, utterly unaffected by her tone. It had used to amaze Fleur, when she was a child, the level of pettish cruelty she could inflict on men without their even minding. After it had ceased to amaze her, it had amused her. She would made a game of it. How cold could she be before they would dare to contradict her? How selfishly could she act before they would give up? but no matter what she said or how horribly she behaved it didn't matter they never noticed they always gazed at her glassily always nodded and accommodated and fetched and were boring terribly disappointing creatures men never listen to them darling her grandmother had said firmly again and again never trust them they are all far too easily distracted flo remembered the hard bite with which the words had always been spoken You are fortunate little one to be only part Vila. you may use the magic only at your will but i who will never know that freedom have learned not to believe a word they say and neither should you fleur's mother had regarded that advice as somewhat harsh she had told fleur that though it was true most men would be weakened by her one would surely happen along who was less easily impressed by beauty there were honest men in the world she had always averred Fleur's own father, after all, had been such a man. But harsh or not, by the age of eleven, Fleur had been grateful for her grandmother's warning. In her first year at Beaubaton's academy, the boys had come at her in droves. All of them, through to the seventh years, spent their energy trying to commandeer her time. Fleur quickly found that if she wanted to study at all, she would have to isolate herself in her room. And as if all of that was not disconcerting enough for such a young girl... Fleur had also been only eleven when a boy had first attempted to kiss her—really kiss her. It had frightened her to death. After a letter to her mother and a tearful interview with the headmistress, Fleur had become more careful, and more isolated, and much more cunning. Time and experience had made her almost diabolical about it. If there were anything she wanted, she could have it if there were men around. And if she wanted to be kissed, which, eventually, she did, There was no shortage of candidates for the provision of strong arms, a mouth, and a lot of promises. She more or less knew the speech by heart. They liked to tell her how beautiful she was, that they loved her and would die for her. At first it had been interesting to hear it, in all its versions. But in recent years, whenever they used the word love, Fleur had to suppress a snort. How could they possibly love her? Not a one of them had bothered to know her, and even though, in the past, it had been rather entertaining to kiss them and then watch them run in circles for no reason at all. That had now become boring as well. Flora had honestly begun to wonder whether there were any other men in the world like her father had been. She wondered if any of them would ever stop looking at her hair long enough to listen to her speak. She wondered if any of them would ever stand up to her. Because the way it stood now, things were just as her grandmother had warned her they would be. Fleur found it absolutely impossible to believe a word that any of them said. All but one. She admitted there had been one. To London, Mademoiselle. Mademoiselle Delacour, are you listening to me? Fleur opened her eyes, annoyed to be interrupted from her reverie. She looked down at Mr Craftsworthy disdainfully and told the truth. None, I have not heard a word you have said. Can you not sum up? I am sick of standing here. He smiled indulgently. Of course. Fleur let out a breath of impatience. Gringotts bank, he said, tapping his notebook with his quill and not taking his eyes off of her, is in need of extra help. Many of the protective enchantments have been destroyed. Fleur shrugged loosely. A bank? Fine. She didn't really care. I was under the impression that Gringotts employed curses for protection, not charms, was her only reply well yes in the vaults but then there are personnel chambers you know international services rooms muggle currency exchange experts curse breakers office that sort of thing the human employees would rather have their quarters enchanted than cursed not everyone is as comfortable with curses as the goblins are Fleur nodded she wouldn't want to work surrounded by a lot of curses herself dark magic of any kind was the last thing she wanted to be near now Dark magic was only a reminder of the past, and she wanted no reminders. Not now, not this autumn, when the war was finally beginning to lose its razor's-edge hold on her. The war had been over all summer. Not that time had brought Gabrielle back. Fleur felt tears sting her eyes immediately, as they always did when she thought of her sister. She tried not to dwell on it, tried not to imagine the things Gabrielle may have suffered after she had been taken from Mont-Saint-Muriel. Fleur hated to imagine any child at the hands of a death-eater, but the acute, writhing sickness it caused to think of Gabrielle, the sheer terror that her sister must have felt, and the pain, it was a horrible thing to have hope that a loved one had been killed quickly and mercifully. But Fleur did hope it. She hoped that they had killed Gabrielle on the spot, from behind and without warning, that she had been an unsuspecting victim, that her last memories had been happy ones, that hope was all that had given Fleur any comfort since January. "'In the morning, mademoiselle, I think you are perhaps not quite listening?' Mr. Craftworthy beamed at her, as if she had done something wonderful. "'Come, come, hear what I am offering you. There is a transfer available.' "'To Gringotts of Paris. I was listening, monsieur.' "'Ah, uh, no.' He looked extremely nervous to have to contradict her. "'To Gringotts of London, mademoiselle de "'I do beg your pardon.' "'But it is Gringotts in London that need you. "'I have several senior enchantment experts "'staffing the Paris branch already.' "'Fleur's eyes narrowed. "'You are saying that I am not qualified to work here in France?' "'The man immediately began to apologize profusely. "'Good heavens, no! "'I didn't mean it in such a way. "'Do forgive me. "'That is, you are very young, but so talented, of course.' "'Fleur waved him off. "'It was unimportant to her what he thought of her work.' She knew that she was brilliant. She had only wanted to make him suffer a little bit from underestimating her. "'I accept,' she said briefly, in the manner of a queen pardoning her page. Mr. Craftsworthy was clearly relieved and grateful for her not to have chastised him further. "'The—the the transfer? You'll accept the position at Gringotts?' "'Hui!' Flora studied her nails and sighed. "'Excellent!' Mr. Craftworthy clapped his hands together. I will forward the appropriate papers to Madame Jalot regarding the transfer, and I'll have your identification to your desk by the end of the month. You will begin in the second week of September. Is that an acceptable amount of time in which to make your plans?' He gazed at her imploringly. Fleur nodded once, then turned and left the conference-room without another glance, feeling almost pleased for the first time in months. She had an assignment. Something new to focus on. Mont saint was nothing but a daily, living reminder of Gabrielle, and Fleur was grateful for an opportunity to move away from it. London. Well, it certainly wasn't Paris, but it would be different, at least. The men would not be different, of course. Fleur snorted softly. They never were. But a change of scene was actually welcome in any case. And also, Bill Weasley was British. The thought came to Fleur suddenly before she could stop it and along with the thought came an odd flutter in her heart. He had stood quietly and watched her working without interference. He had held her differently from any other man. Not as if he'd wanted something from her, but as if—as if he'd known her. She remembered the pressure of standing against him, the strange, immediate relief of it. She stopped in the corridor for a moment and shut her eyes, forgetting where she was. Yes, he had been British. And he might be in London wasn't impossible was it of course it was equally as likely that he had lost his life in the war fleur flinched at the thought she didn't want to think about that shaking off all ideas of that nature therefore fleur returned to her desk and sat she pulled out her wand and organized her papers briefly realizing as she did so she wouldn't miss this office in the slightest london in september well good perhaps at the very least it wouldn't be horribly dull